Hello there, welcome to another episode of Let's Get Sexy, the podcast where I read an erotic story and you listen to it. The story we're currently engaged in is called Wings of Grey, and it's been written by an author called Gwiel. Like all my stories, I found this story on literotica.com, and as always, I have not read this chapter ahead of time. Don't know what's going to happen, so it's just as exciting for me as it is, presumably, for you. We have reached the fifth chapter of Wings of Grey, and to briefly recap on what happened in the fourth chapter, it was pretty dramatic. And while Mike was away from school with, I think he had a bit of a cold maybe, Alex was left to fend for himself in the schoolyard and inevitably fell victim to the bullies, aka Ethan, Mike's old best friend, who I think we can all see is a little bit jealous. And Ethan's new questionable friend group consisting of Randall, the big butch bully, and his sidekick, Eric. Ethan tried to trick Alex and pretend he was going to be a friend to him now, and lured him away into a quiet corridor where Randall and Eric stepped out suddenly and attacked him violently. So violently, in fact, that Alex ended up in hospital When Mike returned from being ill with the flu or cold or whatever he had, he was dismayed to find that Alex was nowhere to be found at school, and curiously, Ethan wasn't there either. After finding out what had happened, Mike ran down to the hospital and has basically been by Alex's side ever since, to the point where he didn't come home that evening and his parents were a little bit worried, and so now Mike's parents are also by Alex's bedside as he recovers from a quite a nasty beating, really, A beating which is almost hard to believe could be administered by a couple of teenagers. Mike obviously was very keen to get his revenge on Ethan and the bullies, but Alex was able to calm him down. Mike's focus is on making sure that Alex gets better. Chapter 5, subtitle Out of the Hospital and Into Mike's Arms, is a H for Hot chapter. It has a rating of 4.68, It's got 4.7 thousand words. It's had 19.9 thousand views. 13 of those viewers liked it, and 6 of them left a comment. And we will certainly have a look at those comments at the end. But with all of the preamble done and dusted, it's time to enjoy Chapter 5 of Wings of Grey. As soon as Mike was sure Alex was asleep, he stood. Where are you going? You promised him, started Mike's dad, but he was cut off by Mike's yelling. I'm going to find that son of a bitch you hurt him, Mike screamed, pointing at Alex. Alex stirred and moved his good arm above his head. Mike lowered his voice. I'm not going to let him get away with this, Mike whispered, and pointed towards Alex again. 
I'm not either, but I'm not about to go and chop his balls off and get myself in trouble, Mike's father whispered back. Mike paced the room. God, I just want to get my hands around his skinny little neck, Mike began, but stopped halfway through. He threw up his hands and leaned against the wall. Alex needs you right now. He needs you here with him, not out there getting arrested for assault, Mike's dad said. More like manslaughter, Mike mumbled. Come on, let's go to the cafeteria and get some coffee. Your mum ran home to get you a change of clothes and some stuff to keep you busy. We both figured it would take a military force to get you to leave his side. His dad smiled. It would take a lot more than that, Mike said, as he looked up, and the two men walked out of the room. One week later. Mike unlocked the door and held it open as Alex hobbled in. His ankle was still sore to walk on, but he wasn't able to use crutches. He leaned on Mike's dad for support, and leaned against a wall while they picked up his and Mike's bags from the hospital. Thanks again for letting me stay here, Alex said. Really, Alex, it's no problem. You can't be expected to work at the foster home in your condition, and you've got nowhere else to go, Mike's mum smiled. Plus, it's a joy having you here, she added. Alex smiled and gladly accepted Mike's open arms. There was sweat covering his forehead, just from attempting to stand on his own for so long. OK, let's try and get you upstairs, yeah, Mike said, and looped Alex's arm around his shoulders. Alex leaned into them, and they made their way up the stairs. How about you take a nap, and then after dinner you can shower? You seem a little tired right now, Mike said, as they reached his room. Mike sat down on the bed, and Alex sighed with relief. Sounds good, Alex said. His voice was still scratchy and hoarse, but the bruising around his throat was almost gone. The doctor had said his voice would return to normal soon. Come on, songbird, lay down and I'll go and get you another pillow, Mike said. He laid him down on the bed gently and put the covers over his thin body. Alex was thin before, but he'd lost even more weight while in the hospital. I hardly sound like a songbird, Alex said. Not now, but you will. I always loved your voice, Mike said, as he gently propped him up on some pillows. Mike turned and walked down the hall to get Alex another pillow. When he returned, the young man was already asleep. Mike smiled and put the pillow on the bed before shutting out the lights and leaving him to sleep in peace. A little while later, Mike sat with Alex on the bed while he started the shower. Damn, your mum can cook, Alex said. Yeah, I know, Mike said, as he tested the warmth of the shower. He got a towel from the closet and set it on the toilet for when Alex got out. Do you think you can do it yourself? I can help you if you want, Mike said, with a mischievous grin. I can do it, Alex laughed, if you help me stand up, he added. Mike moved to the bed and undressed him before he helped him to stand and get into the shower. I'll be just in our room, getting some reading for English done. Call me if you need anything, Mike said. He stepped out of the bathroom and hesitated as he closed the door. As a second thought, he left it open a small crack. He sat on his bed and pulled out the English book he had to read. He'd only been reading for a short time before he heard something from the bathroom. He looked up and listened. He heard it again. A sob. He swung his legs around to the side of the bed and stood, after setting his book face down onto the bed. He nudged open the bathroom door. Alex? Mike whispered. He pushed back the curtain and saw Alex curled into the corner. His good wing was wrapped around his knees. He rocked back and forth slowly. He sniffed loudly. Oh, baby, Mike said. He climbed into the shower and sat on the cold floor with Alex. He wrapped his arms around him and rocked back and forth with him. His clothes were soaked and the water was cold by now, but he was only concerned for the boy sobbing his heart out. Please don't leave me alone again, Alex whimpered. Baby, you should have called me, Mike said, and kissed the top of his head. I didn't want to seem... pathetic, Alex whispered. I'm sorry I'm so weak. 
Alex, sweetheart, I can't imagine what it's like being you. I see the looks people give you. I know you see them too. But every day, you go to school. You ignore the looks, the whispers, the comments, and now the beatings. You've survived the containment camps, the loss of your dad, being pitted against other infected, and surviving the infection itself, said Mike. And you still have the brightest eyes, and the confident smile I only wish I could have, he finished. Alex had stopped crying now, and he leaned against Mike's chest for comfort. Thank you, he choked out. I don't mean to ruin the moment, but this water is fucking freezing, Mike said. Alex was shivering also, and his wings shook as beads of water dripped from them like duck's wings. Come on, let's wash you off quickly and go to bed. Carrying your ass around all day is exhausting, Mike joked. Alex laughed and accepted Mike's hand. Mike stripped off his wet clothes and quickly washed them both off. After drying them off with a towel, Mike pushed Alex onto the bed and crawled in behind him. He spooned Alex gently, careful not to put too much pressure on his injured wing. Soon Alex had fallen asleep, and Mike followed him shortly. Ethan and his new friends had been found out a week after Alex had gone home with Mike. Alex had said he didn't want to press charges. Mike had tried to talk Alex into it, but he was firm about just wanting the whole thing to be over. Alex, come on! Those assholes deserve the worst for what they did to you, Mike said, as he unwrapped Alex's ribs. The bruising was gone, but Alex was still sore. Please, can we just drop it? I just want this to all go away, and get things back to the way they were, Alex said, as he prodded at his tender ribs. But Alex, they hurt you. I can't just let them get away with that, Mike shouted. I don't want to make a big deal out of this. I just want it to be over, Alex said. Why? You can't let them get away with this, Mike screamed, throwing up his hands and looking shocked at Alex, who sat on the bed. Tears fell from Alex's eyes, and his shoulders drooped. I just want things to go back to the way they were. I want it to be just you and me. I don't want to think about them anymore. I don't want to face them, Alex said. He was sobbing at the end of this small speech, and he had his head buried in his hands. Mike felt horrible, and sat down next to Alex. I'm sorry, sweetheart. I shouldn't have screamed at you, and I shouldn't have tried to force you to do something you're not ready for. Can you forgive me? Mike asked. He cradled Alex to his chest, and rocked him back and forth, trying to silence the sobs that consumed the smaller boy. Alex sucked in a breath, but all that came out were sobs. He nodded his head against Mike's chest, and hugged him tighter. Mike kissed his head, and stroked his wings softly. Alex flexed his right wing into the touch, but his left wing stayed still. Love, maybe you should see a physical therapist. Your wing isn't moving like it should, Mike pointed out. Alex's sobs had quieted, and he was looking up at Mike now. Try and move it, babe, Mike said, and pushed Alex so he was sitting up straight. Alex straightened up and tried to stretch his wings. The right one moved easily, but the left one only twitched slightly. It stretched out backwards an inch, but Alex flinched and tucked it back close to his body. Ouch, he whispered, and rolled his right wing and shoulder uneasily. I'll call your doctor tomorrow. See if he knows a physical therapist that can help an infected, Mike said, while he held Alex's left wing and stretched it out to see where it was weak. Okay, Alex said. Let's go to bed, sweetheart. We could both use some sleep. I have school tomorrow, Mike said, and fell back on the bed. Alex laid himself next to Mike and snuggled into his warm embrace. They both fell asleep quickly. Mike brought Alex his missing work, and future work, so he could continue his schoolwork from home. They were reaching the end of the school year, and Alex was concerned about college. What if I don't get accepted anywhere good? Alex fussed, as he and Mike worked on their math homework. Alex, babe, you've taken more than enough classes to get into a good college. You've taken math and science all four years, and you get perfect grades. 
The only time your grades dropped was when you were infected and fighting for your life, and even then you made up the work. You make me look like a slacker, Mike winced. I know you're smart. You'll go somewhere good, Alex said. If I can get in somewhere good, then you definitely can, Mike said, and nudged Alex with his shoulder. Alex giggled and nudged him back. They began wrestling, and Mike soon had him pinned to the floor. Gotcha, Mike smiled. Alex rolled his eyes and tried to get up, but Mike held him down and frowned at him. Get your fat butt off me, Alex joked. Hmm, I don't think so. There's a lot of fun stuff we can do in this position, Mike said, and leaned down to share a kiss with Alex. Hmm, that was fun, Alex sighed. Mike made an agreeing grunt and let go of Alex's wrists. Alex threw his hands around Mike's neck and pulled him down to him. Then he rolled over so he was on top of Mike. He licked and sucked at Mike's neck and nuzzled into his embrace. I love you, Alex said. I love you too, sweetheart, Mike said, and squeezed Alex tighter. How much? Alex pouted and looked up at Mike. Mike kissed his lips roughly until they were swollen and he was panting softly. A lot, Mike said. Alex moaned and panted against Mike's chest. I see, Alex replied. You have that physical therapy session tomorrow. You're going to go, right? Mike asked. Alex turned his head and groaned. Do I have to? Alex whined. Yes, Mike mimicked Alex's whiny tone. Alex groaned again and buried his head into Mike's chest. Oh, it won't be that bad. Stop pouting, Mike laughed and stroked Alex's back. I don't want to, Alex whined more. Too bad, you're going, said Mike. Eh, Alex sighed. Why don't you get started on your homework? I'm going to go and take a shower. Then mum and dad want to go out to dinner, Mike said, already heading up the stairs. Okay, Alex said, and set the large pile of work in front of him. A couple of weeks later, Alex got a handful of letters in the mail, and a matching set for Mike. They're here, Alex said, as he bounded into the kitchen where Mike and his parents were eating lunch. His wings were fluttering excitedly, and his eyes were wider than usual. What's here? Mike asked. The letters from the colleges we applied to. Alex sat down in one of the chairs. It seemed he couldn't hold his wings still. No way! Give me that! Mike said, and grabbed a handful of letters from Alex. He sorted through them quickly, and separated his and Alex's. He handed Alex his, and began glancing over his own. These are my top choices, Mike said, as he held up a few letters. Open them, Alex pestered. He beat on his shoulder and flapped his wings frantically. Shush, I will, I will. Mike shoved him away gently. Open yours, Mike said, nudging his shoulder. Okay, said Alex, as he began opening the letter, but stopped. I can't. You open it for me, he said, and threw the letters at Mike. He began pacing the floor nervously. His wings no longer bounced in excitement, but now drooped and shook nervously. Mike looked at him, and then slid his finger under the envelope seal where Alex had stopped. He ripped it open quickly and unfolded the letter. He was reading it over as fast as he could to get through all the formalities and just get to the answer. When he saw it, he smiled widely. Accepted, he said, as he handed the letter to Alex, who read it quickly and threw his wings up in glee. Yes, he cried as he jumped up and down. Mike chuckled and looked down at his own letter. Give me that, Alex said, and snatched the letter. He ripped it open and Mike looked up at him eagerly. He sent a silent prayer. Alex seemed to take a while to read the letter. You don't really want to go to this school, do you? I mean, they've got a record for being a shitty party school, and... Alex was cut off as Mike stole the letter back. Fuck, said Mike, as he threw it down on the table. You still have a few more letters. That's a shitty school. You can do better. Alex tried to comfort him, and grabbed one of Mike's other letters, ripping it open. He read it quickly, and smiled. 
You got in, Alex said, and jumped up excitedly. To where? Mike asked, and looked at the letter. The same place I was, Alex smiled and blushed. So we get to stay together in college too? Mike asked excitedly. If you want, Alex trailed off, worried Mike didn't want to. Of course I do. I can't believe our luck, he whispered into Alex's ear as they hugged. A little later on, Alex and Mike were hanging around the house. Are you hungry? Mike asked as they walked downstairs. Very, said Alex. Mike set a plate full of what sort of looked like steak. What is this? Alex asked. Rabbit, Mike smiled. Alex returned the smile and dug into his meal. Mike sat next to him and began eating his own plate of food. Oh man, I used to love pancakes. Alex gave a sad look at Mike's stack of pancakes. Did you ever talk to a doctor or something? Maybe there's something they can do, Mike suggested. We all had to see doctors when we were at the camps. They were working on my food situation when the camps shut down. I never thought I'd get to go and see anyone else, Alex shrugged. Hmm, well, next time you get a checkup for your recovery, we can ask about it. I think we would need some kind of bird specialist too, Mike said. Okay, Alex shrugged. Oh, and we have to go shopping today. You need clothes, Mike said. Alex bristled and ruffled his feathers. Why? I have clothes, he whined. Mike smiled. He felt like they were an old married couple. Hmm, marrying Alex. I wouldn't mind that at all, Mike thought to himself. Yes, you do need clothes, and you're going, so meet me at the mall after I get out of school, okay? Mike said, and pointed his fork at Alex. Ugh, Alex pouted. Mike smiled and kissed his forehead. Alex's frown vanished, and he beamed and blushed, turning his head down to his food. Mike loved the look he got when he was surprised by a kiss or a spontaneous hug. Okay, Alex said. Good, said Mike, and returned to his food. Later on, when the final school bell rang, Mike picked up his bag off the floor and headed for the door. He felt his phone vibrate in his pocket and saw it was from Alex. Where are you? said the text. I just got out of class. I'll be right there, replied Mike. Okay, well, hurry up. I don't want to do this anyways, Alex texted. Mike rolled his eyes and put his phone back into his pocket. Alex paced about in front of the mall. He sighed and sat on a bench with his head resting on his right shoulder. He looked at the time on his phone again and saw it had only been two minutes since he last checked. He felt uneasy about something, but couldn't place it. It reminded him of the feeling he got about Ethan before he was attacked. He shuddered and shook his head, trying to shake the memory away. Thinking about what had happened made him more nervous, and he checked the time again. He sighed and stood up to pace again. He had just risen when he saw Randall walking towards the front door of the mall. He shuddered again. What are the odds that he would show up, right when I was thinking about what had happened, Alex thought to himself. He won't do anything. It's broad daylight, Alex tried to settle his nerves. He shifted from foot to foot uneasily, and looked again at the entrance to the parking lot. Mike's car was nowhere in sight. Randall's eyes were locked onto Alex's, and he began to smile as he got closer. He stopped several feet away, but continued to stare at Alex. What do you want? I didn't press charges. Please, just leave me alone. Alex said. You don't get it. I didn't mean to just kick your ass that day, you piece of shit. Randall laughed. Alex frowned and shifted uneasily again. He looked back towards the entrance of the parking lot. I meant to kill your ass. Every one of your kind deserved to be lined up and shot, Randall said. For what? How's it my fault I was infected? Alex asked. He threw up his arms and looked again towards the parking lot entrance. I don't give a shit what those bullshit scientists say. As far as I'm concerned, it is your fault. Why not get the ugly things cut off? 
Randall nodded towards Alex's wings. Alex folded them more and tucked them closer to his body. He fingered the longer feathers at the bottom of his wings nervously. They're like actual bird's wings, idiot. It would be expensive and dangerous to cut them off, Alex said. Worth it if you ask me. They're disgusting, and they make you one hell of a freak, Randall said, and laughed. Alex felt tears begin to fill his eyes. Don't fucking cry, Alex, I swear to God, he thought to himself. He heard a car enter the parking lot and looked up to see Mike in his father's car. He sighed and winced at how loud it was. Get the fuck away from him, you piece of shit! Mike parked quickly and ran to Alex's side. He hugged him close. Alex buried his face in Mike's arms and felt the tears dampen his shirt. Mike pet his wings soothingly. We were just having a little talk is all, Randall laughed again. Come near him again and I'll beat you so goddamn bad you won't have enough blood left to fill that fat-ass head of yours, Mike fumed and moved Alex so he was behind him. Alex moved his head so it was buried into Mike's shoulder blade. Whatever, Randall laughed and walked back the way he'd come. Mike watched him walk away until he had turned the corner and could no longer be seen. Then he turned and wrapped his arms around Alex. Alex sobbed and hugged Mike back with his arms and wings. Mike nuzzled the soft wings and kissed Alex's head. Come on, babe. Mike moved Alex towards the car and sat him down in the passenger's seat. He walked round and sat in the driver's seat and drove them both home quickly. His parents were out, so he brought Alex to his room and undressed him until he was down to his briefs. Mike undressed himself and laid Alex down on the bed. They got under the covers and snuggled up close to each other. What did he say to you, baby? Mike asked as he stroked Alex's wings. Nothing, Alex whispered into Mike's chest. Don't lie to me, Mike frowned. Alex looked up at him. His orange eyes were puffy from crying, and his chin quivered as he tried to hold back more sobs. Do, do you think I'm... I'm... Alex trailed off. Think you're what, babe? Mike asked. He said my wings were... Ugly, Alex said, instead of finishing his sentence. What? Baby, you're not ugly. Your wings are beautiful. The ashy grey with the spots of black and white are gorgeous, and they're so soft. And your beautiful orange eyes... They remind me of a campfire, not a big hot one, not that you're not hot, but the soothing coals that glow right after you put out the fire, Mike said, and stroked Alex's face. Really? he asked. Really. I love your wings, your eyes, and you in general. Don't ever doubt that, okay? Okay, Alex said. Good, said Mike, and tucked Alex's head back into the hollow of his neck, and rested his chin on top. I love you too, Mike, Alex said. Mike smiled into Alex's soft hair and pushed a kiss into the top of his head. I wouldn't trade that sentence for all of the college acceptance letters in the world, Mike laughed. Alex chuckled underneath him. Well, since we're both going to the same school, there'll be lots more I love yous in the future, Alex laughed and looked up at Mike again. That I'm definitely glad for, Mike smiled. They shared a quick kiss and one soon became two and then three. Before they knew it, they were kissing passionately. Mike caressed Alex's face, and their kisses became more tender and loving. Mike reached his hand into Alex's brief and began stroking his erection. He could feel Alex blush under him. He was still shy about his size, even though Mike told him he was perfect countless times. Mike slid down his body without breaking their gaze and pulled his underwear down with his teeth. He kissed the head of Alex's cock gently and sucked it into his mouth. Alex moaned and writhed in pleasure on Mike's bed. He loved seeing those delicate cheeks turn red with passion. Turn over, love, said Mike as he backed up so Alex could turn onto his stomach. Mike massaged the twin globes of Alex's ass 
and once Alex was flustered and pressing his erection against the bed desperately, he separated the globes to reveal Alex's tiny rosebud. Alex's body turned red with embarrassment when Mike took a moment to drink in the tiny opening. He used the thumb of his right hand to rub small circles around the hole. Alex moaned, and Mike surprised him by diving in and licking it with quick little flicks of his tongue. He gasped and humped against the sheets frantically. God, Mike, what you do to me, he whimpered. Mike smiled at him before going back to work on Alex's hole. He began prodding the opening with his tongue and was soon thrusting in and out of Alex. Alex's toes curled and uncurled at Mike's actions. His eyes were hooded and his mouth was open with soft pants of ecstasy. More, God, please more, Alex shouted. His breathing was heavy, like he'd just run a marathon. Mike removed his mouth and replaced his tongue with his finger and began slowly finger-fucking Alex. Alex moaned and pushed back into Mike's digit, and soon Mike was pumping two fingers in and out of Alex's hole. He gasped and moaned as he was stretched by the invading fingers. Mike couldn't wait any longer. He grabbed the lube from his bedside drawer and squirted a generous amount on his dick. He made sure to put another glob on Alex's pucker, making him gasp. Cold, he said. It'll warm up soon, babe, Mike said, and kissed the spot right above Alex's ass. He climbed on top of Alex and rubbed his dick back and forth over his hole a few times before he slowly pushed the head in. Alex gasped, this time in pain. Mike stopped moving. Are you okay? he asked, worried. Don't stop, Alex grunted. Mike felt his hole relax around his invading member and began pushing into Alex again. Soon he was buried all the way into Alex's warm channel. They both moaned together when Mike bottomed out. Mike waited a moment and then began thrusting into Alex's warm hole. God, you're so tight, Mike grunted as he thrust in and out of Alex's tunnel. Alex fucked himself back onto Mike's hard cock. I can never get over how well you feel me, Alex said. We were made for each other, babe, Mike replied. He wrapped an arm around Alex's hips and, still inside him, pulled him up so he was on his hands and knees. He pulled his hands onto Alex's hips and pulled him back hard onto his cock. Alex grunted and sighed as he was filled again with Mike's tool. Mike pulled almost all the way out again and began fucking Alex relentlessly. Alex loved the abuse and moaned his approval back at Mike. The only sounds in the room were Mike pounding Alex's tender ass and their moans and grunts. Mike felt Alex's channel clench around him and he knew he was coming. He reached his hand down and caught the cum that spurted from Alex's cock. The spasming channel was too much for Mike to handle and he filled Alex's hole with his warm cum. Alex could feel Mike spraying his insides with cum and sighed his appreciation. He loved the feeling of being filled with Mike's sperm. Eventually, Mike's cock softened and fell out of Alex. Alex moaned his disappointment, but was pleased when Mike cuddled up to him. Alex yawned sleepily and was about to fall asleep when Mike raised his hand, filled with Alex's own cum. Alex blinked and looked up at Mike, shocked. Mike brought his hand to his mouth and licked a large amount off his hand. Alex's eyes widened and he looked down at the hand that held his still warm cum. He smiled shyly and licked a small amount off. His eyes lit up, and he shared the rest with Mike. When they had finished cleaning up their mess, Alex curled up in Mike's arms and was drifting off to sleep. He could feel Mike's warm cum still dripping from his ass. He thought of what it would be like to have a family with Mike. Of course, not now, but maybe someday they could adopt. He thought of them owning a house, with one or two children running around. He smiled and drifted off to sleep, thinking of Mike. To be continued.
There we go. Just when I thought it was turning into a bit of a domestic drama there, we cap the chapter off with a steamy sex scene. And although it was quite a good one, I thought it did feel a little bit tacked on to the end of a chapter which was mostly about Mike and Alex having a pretty ordinary relationship. And there was even quite a lot of focus on the not-so-glamorous parts. Loads of focus on the nitty-gritty of their dynamic together. Lots and lots of moments where Mike is taking responsibility for Alex's care. Almost a bit like he's Alex's mum. And maybe that suits Alex. Obviously, neither of his parents are in the picture anymore. And it really feels like the dynamic that is emerging is that Alex is kind of a bratty little sub. (laughs) Well... Mike is the more responsible and more dominant and almost a parental figure for Alex, which is maybe a bit of a weird dynamic. I don't know how common that is, but there's definitely some moments where we catch Alex behaving pretty childishly and whinging and moaning about things which are pretty basic self-care and also things that will be to his benefit in the long term, almost like a very young child. Things like not wanting to go shopping for new clothes. Things like not wanting to go to the doctor to get his painful wing seen to. And maybe there's a sense that that's because I imagine that Alex really hasn't had much of a safe environment in which to be childish. So maybe now that he's feeling safe with Mike, he's able to indulge himself in perhaps living out some of that arrested development. But at the same time, Alex playing up to that submissive childlike character seems a little bit at odds with one of his big insecurities, which seems to be around being weak and pathetic. He even apologises to Mike for being so weak at one point, which makes me think there's a bit of a conflict there within Alex, which makes him quite an interesting character, especially when compared to Mike, who I think is not entirely two-dimensional, but he's certainly less nuanced than Alex is. The only difference between Mike and the traditional jock is that he's a gay man, and so rather than being protective over a woman, he's protective over Alex. But just like the standard big tough jock archetype, Mike is outwardly quite a tough and aggressive, angry guy whose instinct is really to solve his problems with direct action, and he's quite bullish about that. The flip side is obviously that he's got a more sensitive inner core for when he's alone with Alex. And in those moments, he's very sensitive and very protective. There was a funny little moment in that chapter with the opening of the college acceptance letters around the table. And it seemed a little odd to me because Squeal seemed to be setting Alex up as the brainy overachiever who's going to have an easy time being accepted to a really good school. And then Mike, on the other hand is not so interested in academic matters and perhaps is going to have a bit of a tough time. And that plays out in the scene where Alex's first letter is an acceptance letter. Meanwhile, the first letter that Mike opens is a rejection. And it seemed like that was going to be a moment which created some drama between Mike and Alex. Maybe there would be some resentment about the opportunities that Alex has. Maybe it would reveal something deeper about the different interests that they have. Maybe there would be a moment when they realise that their relationship has a time limit, because eventually they'll be going to different schools. And then, just as soon as all that potential for tension is introduced, it is immediately dispelled, because the very next letter is an acceptance letter to the exact same school that Alex is going to. But that whole scene ends with Mike saying, I can't believe our luck. And in a way, I think that really sums it all up. It does seem a little bit lucky. (laughs) Ha 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 ha.
And it seems a little bit of a shame not to use the prospect of them going to different schools in the future as an opportunity for drama in the relationship. After all, why even have this scene if at the end of it, it's really of no particular consequence? My instinct is that the inclusion of this scene is possibly linked to where the author is in their life. And I wonder if the college application process and the stressful moment of receiving the acceptances or rejections from various colleges is something which is looming particularly large on their mental landscape as they write this. I thought the opening scene of this chapter was pretty interesting, actually. I was surprised by Mike's dad. Despite being the voice of reason in the room, is himself pretty cavalier about how he'd like to deal with Alex's bullies, who, let's not forget, are teenage boys. And while it's not so distressing to hear Mike talk about the revenge he'd like to take, it does hit a little bit different when you hear a full-grown adult talking about wanting to chop a teenager's balls off. <laughs> seems like a bit of an odd thing for a dad to say. <laughs> but I do think this scene captures the exaggerated sense of self that often comes with those teenage years. For example, I love the line where Mike's dad says, you know, don't go out there and get arrested for assault. And Mike's reply is, more like manslaughter. <laughs> Which just has such Jay from the Inbetweeners vibes to it. And similarly, when Mike's dad is joking that it would take a military force to get Mike to leave Alex's side, Mike sort of grimly says, it would take a lot more than that. <laughs> you know? Like he's channeling Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. And you can imagine him sitting in his bedroom listening to Rage Against the Machine and just punching the wall in frustration, being like, yeah, ah, if only they would let me at him, I'd, you know, bloody well... You can see that's where Mike's head is at. He's super angry at Randall and Ethan and at sidekick Eric. And he's given it all that in the hospital, talking to his dad. But then later on, outside the mall, there is a confrontation with Randall. And Alex is there, all alone. His Randall sense is tingling. He can feel that something's about to happen. And there's a bit of a verbal confrontation between Alex and Randall. And I'm pretty proud of Alex, I think for holding his own throughout that. He doesn't just roll over. He's got the bravery to call out Randall's flawed, prejudiced logic. He gives himself a little internal pep talk, and he's able to hold it together until Mike comes to the rescue, pulling up in his dad's car. And when Mike gets there, it seems like Randall isn't so confident without sidekick Eric and Ethan by his side. Mike comes in pretty hot. He says, come near him again, and I'll beat you so goddamn bad that you won't have enough blood left to fill that fat-ass head of yours. What a sentence that is. <laughs> and I think something like that would definitely be enough to provoke Randall into a violent confrontation if he wanted to. Like, if Randall wanted to take the bait and get into fisticuffs in that moment, then Mike has definitely given him a reason. But instead, he kind of laughs it off and brushes it off, and he's like, yeah, whatever, and, and walks away. Back the way he's come. So, pretty submissive move there. And at the same time, Mike isn't exactly rushing in, swinging his fists, you know. I think he's definitely more bark than he is bite, at this point at least, anyway. Even so, this is a really high-octane, tension-heavy moment. Adrenaline must be pumping at this point for all the characters. And of course, Alex is now too upset to go clothes shopping, which is a bit of a shame, because I was interested in where he buys his clothes. 
or whether there has to be any modifications made to them. I think I've talked about this before, but that's a shame that we didn't get to see into that side of what Alex's life is like. And instead of going shopping, they drive home, and I suppose potentially still coming down off the high of the adrenaline, they strip off all their clothes and get straight into bed. (laughs) Alex gets vulnerable, Mike gets sensitive sensitivity turns to affection affection turns to lust and before we know it mike's hands are venturing down into alex's briefs and clasping his erection quick blowjob for alex this seemed over pretty quick to be honest especially when you compare the amount of time spent describing the blowjob compared to the amount of time spent describing all the things that mike does to alex's asshole A few interesting terms bandied around, I thought, during that section. I've never heard of a bumhole being called a rosebud before. I think this story is the first time I've heard that term. Another resurgence of the twin globes (laughs) emerging. Last time the globes were testicles, though. This time the globes are clearly Alex's bum cheeks. (laughs) I guess they're very round bum cheeks quite a toned buttocks on that boy. Here's a question though. If you're approaching Alex from behind, don't his wings get in the way? I mean, they are quite big. They're kind of these additional indicators of what his emotions are. And he does tend to flap them when he gets excited. I think Mike's got to be careful about how he positions himself back there, especially because I heard a swan's wings can break your arm. And I think that Alex's wings sound like they're significantly bigger than a swan's wings would be. I mean, they're long enough that he can just touch the ends of them when he's standing up. You know, he does that when he's nervous. And if I stand up and I let my arms just drop down naturally, then my hands are just a couple of inches below my butt cheeks. So that means that Mike doesn't just have to spread Alex's cheeks to access his rosebud. He's also got to spread the wings too. I thought it was weird the way that when Mike is fingering Alex's bumhole... His fingers are described as invading digits. And that way of describing them made it seem not all that nice to me. You never hear in a heterosexual story of an invading penis outside of the context of maybe a rape or something negative like that. But weirdly in this scenario, invading fingers are a positive thing. He's gasping and moaning as he's stretched by the invading fingers. But the word invading, to me, it evokes a sense of violation. And I wonder if that choice of verbiage is to do with the author exploring the taboos around anal sex. Fortunately, though, he does lube up the bumhole, and his dick as well, before he pops it up there. I like the way he describes Alex's bumhole in that moment of lubrication as Alex's pucker. I can only think, is that drawing an illusion between the way that somebody puckers up for a nice big kiss on the lips <laughs> and that Alex's bumhole looks like a pair of kissing lips in this moment? He speaks a little bit differently about the interior of Alex's asshole, though. He describes it as a channel. <laughs> and then later on, it's his tunnel. And I kept thinking, that's a bit of an industrial term for it. Not very sexy, like he's fucking his trench, or his ditch, or his gully. (laughs) But Gwil seems to like the industrial terms, though, because later on he describes Mike's penis as a tool that fills up Alex's bum, I guess. (laughs) Also, technical question, 
when Mike bottoms out in Alex's bum, does that mean that Mike hit some kind of barrier inside Alex's bum? And so that's the bottom that we're coming into contact here. That's the bottom that we're outing, if you will. Or is it that Mike's penis is at maximum insertion and that the bum potentially has a limitless depth and this is just the moment where Mike can give no more because he's bottoming out against Alex's bottom? Not sure which one of those, or even if there's another meaning to the phrase bottoming out (laughs) as it applies to this context. I thought it was pretty impressive that Mike is able to make Alex come just by having anal sex with him. From Alex's point of view, it's almost like a hands-free orgasm, and Mike must be really hitting the prostate gland in just the right way. What I didn't like so much was the way that Mike caught Alex's cum in his hand and then kept it there for what seemed like a couple of minutes. I mean, it says the cum was still warm, But I think anybody who has encountered recently ejaculated semen will know that it cools down pretty quickly. You got maybe a second or two before that is an unpleasantly cold and viscous liquid. And I could definitely feel myself recoiling internally during the scene where they are cosily cuddling up until Mike pulls out from his side of the bed a handful of Alex's cum for them both to lick up and swallow yeah a little bit disgusting i thought still if those two enjoy it then more power to them and it seems like that was in a way the perfect end to a perfect sexual encounter and as alex curls up and drifts off to sleep isn't it lovely that he thinks about what it would like to have a family with mike and he smiles and drifts off to sleep thinking of mike oh isn't that lovely that's a lovely end i think to A chapter that was certainly a lot less dramatic than the previous one. And I'm really glad we had that sex scene in there at the end, just to keep it from getting a little bit dull. (laughs) Anyway, that's what I thought of it. Let's see what some of the commenters thought of it. There are six comments here, and I'm going to go through them one by one. Contest for Jen says, So cute. I want to kill Randall. But the parts with Mike and Alex are so cute. I love it. I hope you write about when they get to college and find some more infected? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Four question marks. You've got to be kidding me. That's overkill. Can't wait for the next chapter. Thanks for making this one longer. Cheers. Big smiley face. There's a comment from an anonymous commenter who says, Smashing. Makes me wonder if Ethan will try and take out Alex again. Something tells me they're not done with this trouble. Yeah, I think there's probably more to come. Certainly felt like Randall still had some objectives. (laughs) It sounds like he's kind of gearing up for a genocide, if I'm honest. There is another anonymous comment here, uh, which I think is going to be a critical comment, because the subheading of this comment is slightly annoyed. (laughs) They begin by saying... I really like this story. However, Alex's actions annoyed me a little in this chapter. He refused to press charges and lied after the mall incident. I mean, the guy told him he wanted him dead, not injured. I just want him to get some backbone and not sit back and let those guys get away with what they did to him. Because of him, they're free to hunt and possibly kill someone else. Just saying, waiting anxiously on the next chapter. I kind of get what you mean. I... 
suppose I'm probably, I think I'm torn really between the two approaches. In one sense, I can understand that Alex doesn't want to drag this out into a really long and inevitably traumatic legal process where he's going to have to relive everything that happened. He's probably unlikely to get a fair hearing by any kind of law enforcement or legal system because of the overwhelming societal prejudice on the infected mutants. Even if you could argue that's the right thing to do, and that people should feel empowered to rely on those kind of protections in society from injustice, there's also a fear that it might escalate the conflict and make Randall, Ethan and Eric even more likely to become more deeply entrenched in their prejudiced views and perhaps incentivize them to attack Alex again, and this time do something even worse. So I guess while it is frustrating from an outside perspective to feel like Randall and Ethan and Eric are getting away with doing something horrible to Alex without facing justice, I think we have to view this from Alex's perspective. And as the victim in this situation, he's more than entitled to do what he feels is right for him. And if he feels he's going to be safer and better off without going through all the inevitable anxiety and reliving of trauma, then I think we have to support him in wanting to do what's right for him. One more comment here from an anonymous commenter. They say, love it, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. When Alex says to himself, don't fucking cry, Alex, I swear to God, I giggled a little because it reminded me of Coach Hines from Mad TV. Besides that, I am in love with this story, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I don't think I've seen Mad TV. I don't know who Coach Hines is. I said the word love like that, like love, because that's how it's written here with how many O's are there there? One, two, three, four. there's nine O's in love there and three of them in the middle are capitalized. So that's why I said it like that in case you thought that was a weird thing to do. Short comment from Hot Lover 69 who just says, excellent, short and sweet. That's all they needed to say. And our final comment is from Lonely Lucas, who says, I'm not going to read the alternate ending. They're happy. And for me, that's it. <laughs> so, yeah, this is not the final chapter, though. There's, there is an ending chapter, uh, which is chapter six. And then on top of that, there's an alternate ending. So I think, I don't know, maybe there's something awful about to happen in... Uh, the next chapter. But whether that's true or not, I did find this chapter enjoyable, and I hope you found it enjoyable too. If you'd like to find Gwiel's stories, of which there are 15, spanning over 79 different chapters, then you can find their stories by searching for Gwiel as an author on the erotic literature platform literotica.com. And Gwiel is spelt G-W-E-A-L-L. So if you type that in to the search bar, you'll be able to take a look at what they've got to offer. And if you do, then please take the time to leave a comment and rate the story. I think it's nice to encourage people to give feedback to the authors. After all, they're doing all this for free out of the goodness of their hearts, purely for the entertainment of others. And I suspect for the fulfillment of some of their own deep, dark fantasies. But it's at least 60% selfless, I would say. Similarly, this podcast is a piece of free entertainment for you, which I hope you've enjoyed. Thank you for listening to it. And if you've enjoyed it, I'd like to welcome you to leave a comment, 
leave a review, subscribe to the podcast for future episodes straight into your device, your podcast listening device. If you can afford to and you'd like to, then there is a Patreon page which you can sign up to for episodes a week earlier and potentially votes on what stories I might be reading next. That's a feature I've yet to test. So if that's something you're interested to, then you can find me on Patreon. And with another episode wrapped up, I will wish you a very pleasant week and I hope to see you on the next one. Goodbye. Come near him again, and I'll beat you so goddamn bad, you won't have enough blood left to fill that fat-ass head of yours. (laughs) Ooh.